our ongoing journey looking at spiritual gifts, uh, but it's going to be way different than we have done for the past several weeks. Um, Reminds you that we will kick off the book of Colossians, not next week, but the next week. So we'll jump back into verse by verse studies of books of the Bible. And so, but we're not there yet. We're not ready for that just yet. We're not going to cover six spiritual gifts. We're just going to cover three today. And so just as a reminder, as we've been going through this, the whole point of all this is God puts together his church just like a house. And a house has bricks and a house has studs and a house has nails, and everybody fits together. And so you'll lean into some of these gifts, and you'll back away and kind of glossed over as we talk through other ones, as we do through that. We expect that, uh, but nonetheless, we've gone through this many so far. All the ones that are marked off will cover uh, the greatest of all the gifts, marriage and celibacy, and what that looks like next week. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, And today we're going to cover just three of them. So these are all the lists we've looked at and and what that means. Three of them real fast. Do you, the question that you need to be asking in your brain right now is, do I fit into any of these three gifts? And maybe you do, and hopefully you'll be encouraged by them. And maybe you don't, and that's okay. That's what all the other gifts are for. So let's just look at it. We're going to do the exact same thing a little bit quicker today of here are some gifts Here are the dangers of the gifts. Here are the beauties of the gifts. And so let's just look at these real fast. Uh, Today, number one, uh, out of the three, we're going to look at the gift of teacher. That's listed in the spiritual gifts list. It's a gift that brings uh, clarity and sensitivity to truth. Uh, So some in the church, here even in our church and in the first service, love to sift through the scriptures like you would sand. You find yourself doing that. You can't get enough of stuff. And this is where this gift fits in. Now, I want to mention these gifts. I'm going to mention pastor in a second. But the first thing people think of when they think of a spiritual gift of teaching is they go, well, that must be the pastor. No, 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 no. This gift fits all across the body. Not all those with the gift of teaching are a pastor. However, all pastors by default and qualifications in 1 Timothy of Titus have to be, have the gift of teaching as well. So these two fit together. An example of this is in Acts chapter 18. There was this fantastic communicator rolling through Ephesus. His name was Apollos. And everybody said, this guy is of great eloquent speech. However, he was pulled aside by an older lady and her husband in the church. And it's, the scripture says, they taught Apollos the scriptures more rightly. So you see that going on. So this is this gift, what it looks like. Let's look at some of the dangers of this gift, um, the gift of teaching. Number one, these people can have a tendency to lose balance, right? So everything gets super siloed with, I just want to pursue knowledge. And these people can get sidetracked that way. Uh, These people can come across as emotionless because truth triumphs experience. Now, this one right here is a big one. If there's somebody that you know of that loves knowledge and you go, they seem really stuffy. Listen, they're not trying to be stuffy. And you quit your snarky attitude towards them, right? They're not devoid of emotion. They just value knowledge and truth more than emotion. And if you're in this room and you go, that's me. (laughs) And I don't feel anything. And some of y'all I've had this very conversation with. I have a hard time feeling anything. But I love truth. Is there something wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. That's how this gift fits. Uh, Another danger is the concentration on facts, however, rather than people, 
can make them seem brash, insensitive, uncaring. And these people will definitely give you way more information than you wanted. I want to know what your birthday is. And then they start telling you their birthday and their grandma and their pawpaw and what they had for dinner because they value details. But that's how this gift fleshes itself out. So if you have this gift, that may be some of the dangers that you would look at. Look at the beauty of this gift. The beauty of this gift is that the misuse of Scripture and false doctrine drives teachers bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, as the rap song goes, right? Drives them crazy. Um, and, and so because they love knowledge. And that's a beauty. Another beauty is this doesn't keep other uh, believers grounded from emotionalism. And so people with the gift of knowledge have a hard time with lights and smokes and disco balls and all that kind of stuff. Um, as a matter of fact, people with the gift of knowledge, and some of them are nodding their head in this room right now, um, we've had conversations because they devalue music sometimes even. They're just like, let's skip all the music and just get straight to the word, right? But this is... this. But the beauty is, is it, does, it does help curb emotionalism. And another beauty is they do have the ability to take complex passages, package them together in little bites to where everybody else can understand. And that is a tremendous gift to the church. And I would argue that these people are passionate not for the sake of knowledge and just headyism, but because they genuinely care about people going to apostate states. They want people to not fall off and slip off into false belief and false doctrine, that being the gift of teacher. Just keep going, all right? So one down. Another gift that we're looking at is the gift of pastor-shepherd, which is a contrast to the gift of teacher. This is a gift that's definitely a calling and not a profession. That will be one of the dangers in just a second. But some people are called to give their life away, quite literal sense, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, to skip over, Tyler LaFoy could have been a lawyer, a doctor, a, a, a teacher, a, a steel worker, a whatever. But God called him to give his life away for the sake of the gospel. And that, so this is what this calling looks like. Um, it's a call to serve, to teach, to walk alongside. And, and the term shepherd is actually what's found in the spiritual gifts list. Interesting fact. How many times do you think the word pastor is used in scripture? Anybody? You would think a lot, right? One. The word pastor is used one time. The word shepherd, the word overseer, the word bishop is used a ton of times, which I keep trying to get everybody to start calling Austin Bishop Austin, but it's not taking root just yet, right? But nonetheless, uh, so this is, this is my side note. Uh, when people demand that you call them Pastor Troy or Pastor whatever, that, that creeps me out to no end, right? Uh, but nonetheless, this is a calling um, on, on people's lives. And the term is shepherd. So we'll look at that in just a second, the danger. The danger of the gift of pastor shepherd is the church can find itself under the rule of a dictator rather than shepherd when pastor is elevated as the pope of a place. We're called to be a kingdom of priests. And the, so we're co-equal laborers and a pastor should be called to walk alongside. That's what... But the danger can be just when you have a pope, if you will, in that sense. Another danger is the tendency to establish a hierarchy within the church with the pastor at the top uh, rather than co-equal labors. And then number three, the danger of this role is sometimes local churches can just simply be stepping stones. So a, a pastor will hop into a stepping stone till they get a higher paying gig with a bigger footprint. 
And that can be incredibly dangerous, right? So then the church is not something that I love and give my life away for, but it's a pawn that I use for something else. And that can be a big danger. Now let's look at the beauty of this role. The beauty. For thousands of years, God has guided His church by calling some people to help lead local bodies. And His church continues to grow. And then number two, that God gives local uh, churches people to fulfill the function of a shepherd. And that's, that's good. That's good for the church body. 1 Peter 5, 1-4 will be on the screen. Um, this is where the, 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 the call of a pastor is most well illustrated as a shepherd, which is what I was saying before. So the role of a shepherd would be someone who guides like a shepherd guides a flock uh, and it doesn't jump off of a cliff, the, the shepherd should do just that. It should be intimately involved in one another's lives. Uh, and so this steers us to be inward, outward, upward, all for the sake of the gospel. In other words, the role of pastors at a church should be not to say, hey, how can we be the greatest thing in the world and the shiniest bouncing ball, but for us to look at one another and go, are you thinking about the gospel? Are you thinking about the gospel? Are you thinking about the gospel? Are we pushing one another towards the gospel? That's what the call of a pastor is to be. Uh, Also someone who leads, that word there is exercise, oversight. In other words, they should model sanctification through their family. So that's why qualifications exist for this calling. At any point, if you see in my life, and my kid's life, and Julie Beth, something that disqualifies us from the role of pastor, you need to bring that to the elders because we're called to model the gospel to our family, to model the gospel to our community, to model that. And so that's what this call looks like. That's one of the beauties. And then also somebody who seeks. In other words, the pastor or this calling as a pastor is called to intercede on behalf of the flock. We take this incredibly serious at Safe Haven Church. If you walk into Tyler's office, which is one of his roles, and, and well, let's just, for kicks and giggles. In this past year, how many in this room, raise your hand, have been contacted personally by me or Tyler? Raise your hand high. All across the room. We've sent you letters. We've called you. We've prayed for you. We've interceded. This is the call of a pastor, to shepherd, to, to reach out, to seek, um, and, and then also to protect when the chief shepherd appears is coming. Now, the Lord is coming. It's our responsibility as those who are called to pastor to help push the body of Christ towards seeking Jesus so that when the chief shepherd appears, we can stare before him and go, yes, we've been thinking about you. We've been waiting on you. We've been, yes, you're coming and we knew it. And this is the call of the pastor. And then also to feed, to preach the word. That's the call of the pastor. Um, at the end of the day, when I die and we enter into eternity, the one question that I am more fearful of than any other question and in eternity, I don't think it plays out this way, but if it does, this is, what, this is what terrifies me most. Is the Lord saying, did the people fully know all of the pages of my word? That's the burden that a pastor carries. Do you know the book? And that's why we hold it so high here at Safe Haven. So this is a calling, and uh, I would say simply this. If God has called people for thousands of years, there's a good chance 
in a room this size, between this service and the first service, God is still calling people in this room to pastor and care for local flocks. We'll leave it at that. To get to number three, the gift of evangelism. This will be the last one we look at today. The gift of evangelism is truly a gift that alters both earth and eternity forever. And it's the gift that I'm praying uh, the Lord floods our church with afresh and anew. So much so, I'm going to show you some books at the end that I'm about to lead our elders through on evangelism. Now, when I said the gift of evangelism, I'm going to read your minds real fast. By a smile in this room, how many of you thought of the name Billy Graham? you got smiles everywhere, right? It's just kind of the name we think of when we think of evangelists, and he definitely had that gift. Uh, but let's look at it. All Christians are indeed called to do evangelism. Some just have greater effectiveness. It just is what it is. Now, Billy Graham would certainly be that public sense of evangelist, but let me throw out another name for some of you guys, and you'll nod your head on this. Another person who's not big name, but definitely has the gift of evangelism, Wally Macaluso. No doubt about it. It's not a big stage. It's just everywhere the dude goes, people come to know Jesus. And it don't matter if it's a, uh, the shop aisle number seven at Publix or whatever, meek, humble, behind the scenes. And I could, we don't have time for it because we got to get to this celebration moment with our kids. Dude, I could give you a list of people that I know personally that are in ministry and God has used and God has saved because of Wally Macaluso. And you know how many people know Wally Macaluso? This group right here (laughs) and a few other little churches in rural Alabama. Um, And that's what God does. And some of y'all have this gift. Maybe you've hidden it and God's asking you, hey, start talking about me more and more because he does this effectively through people. Let's keep going real fast. Uh, The dangers of this. Now, the dangers of the gift of evangelism, because you may go, there could be no dangers. Well, there can be. Danger would definitely be showmanship and platforming. Um, I want to gather as many people to my event and slap my name on a poster, and it just becomes all about a person. That's when it becomes really weird and really wonky, right? Also, a devaluing of the role of the Holy Spirit and elevating of self-determinism can come with... uh, I have the ability to, to, to make this event real shiny and blah, 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 and create emotion. Well, that devalues the role of the Spirit in salvation. And what does John 6 say? We only come to the Lord by the power of the Spirit. Period. As a matter of fact, John says the flesh is of no help whatsoever is what uh, is, is commanded there. So this could be a danger. And then also a danger of this could be number counting, emotionalism, and callous hearts to true genuine repentance. Right? So when it's this event or whatever it is, I'm not saying the Lord does not work through these moments. Right? Uh, What I'm saying is this. When it becomes about, I got baptized, I wore the t-shirt, I said the prayer, I was one of the 500 that did the thing, then it has nothing to do with, I'm a sinner and in need of a Savior. So it can devalue all of these things. And and I would argue that that can callous a heart to genuine repentance. So when the Lord begins to convict someone over true sin, they begin to repeat this, or Satan whispers in their ear, but hang on a second, you don't really need to repent because you did the thing. Don't you remember you did the thing with everybody else? 
yeah, 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 but I'm sick of my sin. And like I'm, I'm, I'm grossed out by my sin. And I see your holiness. And the Spirit says, oh, no, no, you got the T-shirt. You put it on Facebook. Go look at it, right? And it can be, if we're not careful, a callousing. And that can be one of the dangers. But let's look at the beauties of this gift as we wrap up today's time. Beauty is, man, this gift has a genuine care for lost people. No doubt about it whatsoever. And the ability to overcome fear of rejection to share the gospel in a way that's loving. Um, Number two, God through this gift takes souls that are about to bust hell wide open and changes them and fits them for his eternal kingdom. That being a gift. And then also, people with this gift keep the church focused outside rather than what goes on inside. Uh, I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, Hey man, what are we doing about missions? What are we doing about this? What are we doing? And you can see this boiling up within them. That's a gift that the Lord has given to the church. And I would actually argue the gift of evangelism is for the church rather than the outside world. That may sound strange to you. But Ephesians 4 says this. He gave apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists for what? The equipping of who? The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So if you have this gift and you keep flexing it outside, I'm going to tell you, come to us and help us flex it inside to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then these individuals have the ability to communicate the gospel in a crystal clear fashion. They're not bent like some in our church about breaking down every single word of the book of Colossians. They don't have that. (laughs) Like they don't care. They just want to get to the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Here's the deal. Teachers need evangelists and evangelists need teachers. That's what makes us a well-rounded church. So we need a balance. And so... As I said before, um, this is an area that I'm praying that the Lord floods our church afresh and anew with. Two things, two books real fast. Uh, These are the books that I'm about to lead our elder team through, and we invite you to join us. If this is something that you would love to press in and and pray and and be a part of, here are two books uh, that you can uh, read. And I'm just praying the Lord gives us a, a fresh love, man, for the lost. We need it. Uh, and so this is something that we're praying through. Uh, so um, we are done.